This episode of the Salumas Podcast has been brought to you by Patch Junkie. Are you a member of the military? Are you a fan of uniquely made items? Hell, do you just like to collect stuff? Well, let's talk about a little company in Delaware called Patch Junkie. Patch Junkie is an Etsy shop that sells uniquely designed patches. Their stock includes everything from military-style morale patches to designs that reference popular culture. They also sell other patch-related stuff like patch mats and patch bags to stick your patches to. So when you go onto their website, go to www.patchjunkieshop.com and enter the promo code SALUMIS for 10% off of your order. Once again, that is S-A-L-U-M-I-S-T, SALUMIS, and get 10% off of your order. So go out there and check them out. Cool things about them is that they are all about quality. You know, I've said it in multiple episodes, but we do not mess around with quality in the stuff that we produce. And it's good to know that we're working with a company that thinks the same way. So they offer high quality and unique patches that are well-priced. Patch Junkie also cares about their supporters. They hand pack orders and thank each and every one of their supporters. So Patch Junkie also cares about the world around us. They reduce their waste. They do their part to prevent deforestation. They offset their carbon footprint during shipping. And and they also support conservation efforts. We barely support conservation efforts. So these guys are doing their shit. They're all about it. So Please support the crew at Patch Junkie Shop. Once again, that's www.patchjunkieshop.com and enter the promo code SALUMIST for 10% off of your order. Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um. Welcome to another episode of the Salumist Podcast. Have you ever been in a setting where someone says that another person or maybe even you might be racist? How did it make you feel? In this episode, we discuss the effect on how labeling something or someone as racist might be exploited for personal gain, as well as the short and long-term effects of that on our society. We talk about the importance of setting social boundaries and the allowances that we do and don't make for those around us. And then we talk about how exploitation for personal gain has an effect on different movements other than those dealing with race, such as those dealing with gender equality, feminism, and even things like the Me Too movement. It's just me and Mark today, but this episode's packed full of content. So sit back, put your headphones on, and enjoy episode 906, A Fresh Deck of Race Cards. All right. So, had crazy 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 technical difficulties but uh comes with the territory of new hardware yeah we're and, not audio uh, engineers yeah yeah totally not on, yeah pretty much so uh but we still have a good topic to be able to talk about so before i go into the topic i do want to once again say how great that it was to be able to uh, for all of us to go to the uh, to Broadway United Methodist Church and have that discussion that we did last Thursday. Yeah, shout um, out to Broadway United. Yes. Thank you for having us. Yes, that was great. Clue um, blacked out. Uh, oh my god! Clue blacked out. And as soon as he said, I had a dream. I had to. Say, oh I had to tap him and say, "Okay, Clue." Okay. You're like, you you got to stop. You got to quit. He said, "I had I had a dream. I have a dream." Yeah, you know, uh, I I really wanted to bring up class warfare, but. Uh, Maybe wasn't the, the time and place for that. You know what I mean? But uh, it more was, to come. Yeah, definitely more you to wanna, come. You want to get get people interested in inviting you back. Yeah. Have yeah. more opportunities to do that. 
It was, and but the the big thing that I wanted to talk about from that from that event um, was how was how uncomfortable some people felt being able to say words like color or black or people of color. Do you see what I mean? It was kind of it was really interesting. And when I was when I would hear people like hesitate to say it, it really made me think about the amount of work that we have left to do to even get to a point where we can really address this kind of stuff. Like the fact that no one felt comfortable saying black people. I yeah. felt bad about it. Yeah, man. I'm of the point these days where I just want to sublimate it all. Yeah. Maybe sublimation is what is what growing to the next level looks like because there's no getting this out of us, man. It may be a an an acute representation of of this endemic human problem, but it may be a problem that never goes away. Maybe there always have to be always has to be some sort of dichotomy like the one that we have in America that's got some pretty interesting history. The yeah. the, the history between African Americans and other Americans and um the first uh so called white Americans to be here. But whatever it may be, maybe it just doesn't go away, man. And maybe mm. we just learn to sublimate it all. I would rather people be comfortable and I'm sure this is the point you were talking up to in some ways, I'd rather people just be comfortable saying whatever they want to say yeah. than ever get to the point where they're maybe you never get comfortable mm-hmm. saying colored or the N word or something like that. I just want people to be able to feel um, themselves all the time. Yeah, I think even w- there was one lady, I can't remember her name, but she was talking about how they they went and they went into the different high schools that she said the most diverse high schools and uh, it, it felt bad because you, because you, first of all, she hesitated saying that she was like, we went into the, um, the most d- diverse high schools. And then we, we got some freshmen and we talked to them about, you know, they try to establish a pipeline into, into the law field. And it was like, just mm-hmm. say the black kids or just say oh, the people yeah, of color. Yeah, like, yeah. it's going to be okay. Yeah, like, no, yeah. but because I, I can't make it so easy if you will i can't be just so flippant about my response to it because something or a lot of things have been done to put her in a position to where she does not feel comfortable even saying that yeah and i think that that leads to where the the meat of our podcast episode is and this episode is I'm wanting to call it a fresh deck of race cards. And I think this was this was something that I thought that I came with. But thank you for checking me. And you planted the seed, I guess, a long Clue, time you're ago. You're one of those people. No, I'm not one of those people. But uh, I am going to give credit where it's due. Uh, this is your idea, Mark. And yes. So- Whenever I'm joking with friends of mine uh, and I find an opportunity to where I can play the race card as we um, under typically understand it. I have this joke that I tell my friends, like, um, I almost, I say to them, well, I almost put out my fresh deck of race cards. And ah. I, I mind like I'm pulling out a deck of cards and taking that plastic yeah, off. Yeah, that red stripe yeah, off that, of there. That little, yeah, like a yeah. bicycle deck and flicking the cards at them. Yeah. And it's funny. It makes everyone laugh. And, it, and you know, because you have to be, I don't know, from this environment, I guess, to know what I'm referring to because, I, you know, you want, you don't want to take cheap shots and it's, it's a bit of a responsibility to not, to not white guilt people and beat them over the head with stuff. But as you get older, you learn not to do that and mm-hmm. you learn 
to recognize the opportunities where you can do that mm-hmm. and where you would have done that in the past because most people are just selfish and don't, they're just trying to get their way in a situation. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and so in, in black people are, are guilty of that too. In fact, some of us have pathological reflex to do as much because we don't know any better. We think that, oh, I'm being done wrong, where really everybody's getting done wrong one way or the other. It just yeah. happens to be the flavor of our uh, uh, offenses usually to do with the uh, bad perception that people have us and bias and stuff. So that's what I mean by uh, a deck of race cards. It's mm-hmm. a little little joke of mine and um, it's free and open for anyone to use. Oh, you're to not going to see me? A good, no, no, not going to oh, see Dude, you. you're such a kind but guy. You just have to make a good joke about it. You, huh. you can't be corny with it. That's the only rule. Fair if you got to take it, you got to be really, really cool with it. And that's why I'm explaining it before you whatever you're going to do with it. So no, I, I, I was going to do the whole like what? Yu-Gi-Oh card animation. Yeah. And then yeah. like this monster comes up and it's like, you're racist. Yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, there are, I think that there is a, a problem with the, with what I, I guess you can call it like arbitrary offense, um, where things, and you said it, we, we might have, a a reflex to just, treat things like they're all offensive or like someone is trying to be racist towards you. But I do believe that in this day and age, there are people that, that might capitalize on it and might exploit it and can see when people are of good intentions or if they're just merely ignorant about something, but then marking them off as a racist and playing that card. I've seen it happen in random places. I've seen it happen at the airport. Mm hmm. You know how flight attendants are. They're just mm-hmm. like, hey, can you move your stuff out of the way and just just clear a little path? I've mm-hmm. seen someone in the plane get pissed off about that and, and literally pull the race card. I saw uh, uh, there was one flight at my old job that I had before I, I worked this one where I was uh, flying to Chicago and uh, there were two two black black girls that were on the uh, that were on the plane. And they asked the guy to move his seat so they can sit next to each other. And you can tell the mental calculus he was doing because dude had a good seat. I wouldn't have given it up if anyone, would. I don't care if a parent, I like, it was like, he, he had a Gucci seat and um, he had to do the mental calculus and she just stood there. Like it was queued up. You know what I'm saying? It was, you can think of like a gun pointed at his head. Yeah, it, and it was like make the wrong move, motherfucker. Make oh, the, wrong move. the two black girls, yeah, were doing that to him. Yeah, damn. And he just sat there, and and he was just like, oh, okay. And he and he got up, damn. Up. And so that flight, it was. But like he a, gets to be quarterback, no huh? matter what. He does get to be quarterback. Whatever game. What, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he, he gets to be quarterback. No, no, but I can see they they got him to get up, and. You can just see, I, I asked, I was like, I asked the flight attendant and I was like, can I get this guy a drink? And yeah, I was just like, Hey, whatever he wants while, while we're on this flight, yeah. just get him any drink that he wants. Cause you like defending white people all the time. No, because yeah. I was like, they weren't going to help him out. I just, yeah. what I was in my head, I didn't want him to go home thinking fuck black chicks or, you know what I'm saying? Interesting. Or, I didn't want it. I'm, I'm trying to cut off a problem. Before it, before it starts. Wow, I see. Yeah, does I, that make I, sense? What I'm saying? Of course it does, and I have to think now that I. And must be times when I've done that before, too. I want to, of course, 
I'm being a dick to you about it, but I, I, think, I think I've done that before as well, too, where you see that maybe someone from your community, another, maybe an African-American person is representing the, the you know, all black people poorly in yeah. the moment. You're like, man, you and you want that back. Yes. You want that transgression back. And, and so you try to resolve it in um, in, a, in the immediate context yes. that you're experiencing. And I think I've been, I want to say, guilty of doing that, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just didn't. I mean, like I said, we had like hour and a half, two hour flight. And, the and I reason just why didn't want him feeling bad. I have a problem with that myself is something that I've heard said on another podcast that um, that that I have mixed feelings about. But that one once really striking truth comes through on is, you know, who no one ever defends. You want to know who never gets defended, man, in any categorical way. Let me see. Um Oh, good. You're going to try to guess because, man. Mexicans. Nah, 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 nah. Mexicans are fine. They, Indian they, people? They take, they, no, hell no. They take care of themselves. Chinese. Nah, man. That's all I've got. Black women. Ooh. Nobody ever comes to their defense, man. They are really? on their own all the time. That's interesting. Everywhere. Why do you believe that? Because I witness it. I witness all of these. I don't know what you call them, superficial or fake construct constructs. Mm. You know, but we're still in play, we're still playing the game of those constructs in our society. You know what I mean? The angry black guy, the white guy gets to be captain. You know what I mean? Like we're yeah. still we're playing all that. But in those games, man, I see it all the time and I feel so bad. I see black women just like all out there on their own in the middle of a Huh. Social, political desert, no one ever. They don't have any of those things. Like, what's on their chart? Yeah. Like, that they get, what's their privilege thing? You get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Other than being the mother of all civilization and everyone wants to look like them, they're always emulated, but that's still objectification that they don't care yeah. to associate themselves with. So that it's not like, you know what I mean? They don't care about it. It's not, it's not the part that the, I'm sitting here trying to think of, t- of moments yeah. when they're where people come to their defense yeah man black women always Damn. are just out there on their own and i was saying that to say my the most interesting part of the dynamic you just described like the one on the airplane is why do we why do we have the impulse to defend him why did you want to buy him a drink it wasn't to defend him yeah it was to cut off a potential problem because what I didn't want him to do, I didn't want him to spend his whole plane flight. Yeah. Angry at black people. Yeah. And you know what they call that? What is that? Um, They call that respectability politics. You ever heard that? No, it's a thing in the African American community and I always misunderstand it until it's described. And I'm like, Oh yeah, it's that thing where you are fighting and campaigning constantly for respectability Mm -hmm. to show that you are respectable. If I understand it correctly, please light me up out there if I'm describing this wrong, but it's that dynamic where some black people find themselves upset or um, embarrassed by other black people who make too big, great of an effort to achieve respectability Mm -hmm. in the eyes of someone who's not ever going to respect you or regard you on the level greater than the one you regard yourself. Sure. So if your first impulse is to gain respectability with the white man on the plane, then the question becomes in what way do you reflect 
reflect that same respectable ability for yourself and your immediate community and those you identify with first. It's not one of those things you think about until you have someone describe it to you. And then you're like, damn, I thought I was doing the right thing. And then you're like, whoa, what? I don't know. What what would you have done in that situation like that? Let him be? Well, me, well, certainly, yeah, I don't yeah. give a fuck, but like, I'm, I'm, I just, for me, I wanted both people, like, cause they were young girls. Yeah. And I wanted them to understand that, like, I, I mean, maybe I should have just told them that when you, on a plane or in anything, when you yeah. ask someone to get up, like, to get up from a seat, like what he had. Yeah. Just so you can sit by your buddy on mm-hmm. a flight that's not that long. Yeah. I feel like there needs to be something to say thank you right there. But you can yeah. see that the look on her face when I she was asking you. him. I believe you. And it, it didn't seem like an ask. It was like a telling them mm-hmm. because her friend was a, a row was next to him. He was next to her. She was in a thing behind yeah. and jumps back. And this this dude was going to have to sit in between two people. Yeah. Major inconvenience. Yeah. And so. I just feel like everyone should, she should have thought about like, yeah. let me just make this again, even though it's a, it's a short flight, let's right. make it as enjoyable as possible. But yeah. I also just think because people tend to, and maybe because I think that way, like, mm-hmm. cause I remember when, when my car got broken into, this is going to sound really stupid, but I lived, uh, I lived in an apartment complex that, that wasn't that great and stuff, but it was me and some college buddies. But for, for like a solid like year, I just hated everyone who lived in the entire complex. I hated poor people. <laughs> I did. And I, I was angry, yeah. like angry at them because I was like, because I couldn't put a face to yeah. who broke into my car. I just said everyone here broke into my car. Yeah. Didn't trust anyone. I was so pissed. We moved out, like all that kind of stuff, man. And so yeah. maybe I was attaching that type of thing to it. I don't know. And because there'll be moments where like a, a hipster or some other type of person will annoy me and then I'll throw the entire group into the yeah. into the trash. And so yeah. that's maybe I was attaching myself and I was saying, how would I have handled something like that if something like that happened to me? Yeah. And so I said, I'm going to cut it off at the head there and just put him in a position where he's not going to think when in reality, he could still be like, fuck y'all. Anyway, I'm going to enjoy my yeah. drinks. You know, and and, yeah. and he definitely capitalized on the drinks. And I was just like, even after the flight, I was like, "Hey, man, you good? Sorry, I saw you, I saw what happened there." You know, and he yeah. was just like, he just kind of did the, "Thank you for the drinks, man." You know what yeah. I mean? It was one of those, but yeah, I don't know, man. I just I felt like going back to the whole fresh deck of race cards. The the you know the metaphorical gun to his head that's what yeah. it, it felt like that was going to get played if he didn't get played and the yeah. entire flight dude i mean they were they were going nuts man they were absolutely going nuts on the flight i've seen it before man i've 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 uh i've been there too i felt that way too mm-hmm. um um yeah i've i felt that way too before. there's there's a, a, there's a video going around <clears throat> on uh, uh on youtube and it's this, it's this girl, and maybe you can pull it up. I don't know, but it's this girl. She stands in front of this area, and she's telling different white people in there, like that they should go find their own space because there's too many white people <laughs> in this spot. And I was like, 
are you fucking like the audacity man like (laughs) one part of me is like the amount of nuts on this girl this is awesome this is hilarious that she's doing this you know but then there was like someone clapping after she said that and i was like what has happened to our society where we're going and we're doing that kind of stuff like how and, and i think that when when the race card gets abused and is unchecked you run into people exploiting race like that because yeah. all you have to do is say one thing against it and then you're labeled as a racist and yeah. in the age of the internet all you have to do is slip up your entire everything is getting thrown into the trash yeah and so that's i i hate that our society is living in this you know this yeah, constant state of fear because we're never go- and then the same people that are quick to throw you into the trash and pull out the race cards call you racist also want some uh i don't want to call it they want to be able to fix racial relations. They want to be able to get to a point where we can openly talk about it and they don't feel uncomfortable and stuff like that. So, but if you continue doing that, how are we going to get on? Unco- how are we going to get comfortable? How are we going to be able to talk with one another? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a weaponization of the a weaponization of the thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is. You see more and more of that. Nowadays, I, now I, I wish I had seen that video. I don't know what to think. That's I'll that's, try and find it. Have you ever had to play the card before? Um, no, no, I can't think of ever having to pay the, play that the race card in my adult life. Although I can think of plenty of like I've had, of course, endless opportunities. Do you do every day? Yeah. Um, but I can't think of ever using it to my advantage or having an intention yeah. to know that I'm. I can't think of a time when I've. Sure. When I've really done that before. The thing, though, that also worries me is when there's so many people that are playing the race card or that are abusing the race card, that are exploiting the race card. Yeah. It puts me in a position. Well, it, it has put me in a position where I made way more allowances for shit that I nor than than I should. But then when something becomes uncomfortable to me and I say something about it. A, they think I'm joking. Yeah. Or B, they think they're like, you're not complaining about that because I've been yeah. somewhat tolerant of it the, the rest yeah. of the time. So an example, something like this, um, I had said a while, a while or a couple episodes ago that someone at a at an event had was touting the fact that another person helped the people across the train tracks. Literally said it like that. And I'm sitting there going, mm-hmm. that is are you fucking joking? Did yeah. this really just happen? And so I made a comment about that. Yeah. And, and I kind of like, they're saying like, Oh, you're not trying to be like that. You know what I'm saying? It was one of those things. And I was just like, yeah, I think you better be more clear for the listeners though. You're describing a, a time where you allowed someone to get away with some, some uh, you allowed someone to become comfortable. Um, I allowed everyone, everyone to throughout become my life to just become comfortable yeah. with the jokes and with, stuff like with, that. with, with thing with saying or doing things racially that you would rather them not do, mm-hmm. but you, you got yourself in a situation where once you began to express that that's something you weren't comfortable with, they didn't want to believe you Yes, because they had become so accustomed to. Yes. Yeah. I've seen that before. I've definitely yeah. done it before. And, too. and, and when I was, I remember being, when I was younger, I like to think, and, and I'm so thankful for people like Dave Chappelle who made, um, who made talking about race uh-huh. something we could also laugh about. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that I really latched onto 
was the fact about using race with humor. And Mm -hmm. when I did that, looking back now, I wonder if that was a bit of a defense mechanism. Like it would be like pain on my own terms. And when you when you issue pain on your own terms, you control it and no one else can hurt you with it. And so when when that happened enough times. Well, actually, as I got older, I was like, hey, I'm not cool with that shit. And then. But there's just been so many years that's gone by. And so when I, when there are things that I don't tolerate, that's when I have a very short fuse. For example, mm-hmm. I've said um, I can hear someone say something racially insensitive. There there's a time where I can have someone say racially something racially insensitive. But what's happened now is that as I've gotten older, I have no problems being like, oh, I hope you die in a fire. You know, yeah. if you're racist, like there was a funny yeah. joke, like or I've been saying that uh, I'm I'm in- incredibly glad that Rush Limbaugh has has whatever cancer that he has. And I, I've uh-huh. said it multiple times. I hope it's slow and painful. And I hope his family is just like uh, like in just in just distraught about it because I've read uh-huh. the shit that he said. I've heard the shit that he said. Uh-huh. And I've built such a zero tolerance policy. Yeah. To racist people. Yeah. That I'm just like, no, nah, you can. You can die. You can get cancer. I hope yeah. it's slow and terribly painful for you. Right. And so at, for me, it's almost like swinging to such a far extreme like that has been a response of tolerating so much for so many years before. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's interesting. So maybe man. it's a maybe it's a maladaptive behavior and it's mm-hmm. like, hey, you shouldn't want someone to die mm-hmm. a horrible death of cancer right. or something like that. Do, do you ever find Well, of course you do, but. I always find it interesting in the situation you just described where after allowing friends or colleagues or associates to become a little too comfortable with things that you are a little, that you find egregious or offensive, you, you have a hard time cleaning it up or getting them to change their behavior. But do you ever, do you ever wonder why? why it's so difficult for them to put themselves in someone else's shoes or to, cause I don't, you know, if you find out that your friend at work didn't like you when you touched her shoulder or something, you feel yeah. like vomiting. Yeah. You know, uh, I've never had a situation like that, but yeah. I, I see what you're saying. You know what where I mean? it, would, or it would make me feel sick. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, you like should, that. I thought, you know, yeah. That, that, uh, you fa- it's just like that. if you were calling someone the wrong name, yeah. even that's an, that's enough. Like my yep. name is Greg, not Gary. You'd still forget. Like, I'm always curious as to why the for those friends of mine, those associates, those people I've known who've who've put me in that circumstance or who whom I've allowed to put me in the circumstance where they're making me feel uncomfortable about racial topics. But I don't want to deal with the drama of it. So I tolerate it. I'm always interested in the why is the measure of our acquaintanceship based on the degree to which I allow you to oppress or offend me? It's just like what I was talking about with the with the person that that, sure. that that really thought that because we're neighbors and we made we made cordial as neighbor we met yeah. each other we're whatever you call it I don't want to say friends but he's talking shit on yeah your like I why that, why is that the extension I do not do that with people I think at the end of the day no matter what humans want to be able to connect on some level and if it's a shitty level like that yeah I think it's like a subconscious thing where you'll you'll create or make allowances for shit like that and you don't even realize you're doing it yeah i yeah and and i've i've seen it in people too that where where the relationship wasn't based on i've seen it with you know my best childhood best yeah. friend you know where they they don't 
they're not aware that the way they use you or interface with you is less than optimal or less than yeah. uh, egalitarian. And when think you of decide sexual to, relations, yeah, think of someone that you think that it was like, oh, I thought this was just sex, and then of course you people. Yeah. It's like you don't realize how much of a bonding yeah. thing that that is. Yeah, and when that happens a bunch, it it's almost inevitable where someone gets feelings and the other person's like, wait a minute, I thought you were okay yeah. with yeah. this, that, right. that whole type of thing. It's like how, how the way that humans bond, if you are not clear about your mm-hmm. boundaries, this can happen on any so level. So then what is it that our friends are get when you have a person who um, they are not, this is not them playing the race card. Yeah, sure. We would be stretching well, what the race card is understood to mean, but we're still talking about that situation where, uh, maybe one of your friends uh, that you grew up with uh, uh, says the N-word while he's singing a rap song or something. Yeah. And you really don't like him doing it. Mm-hmm. But after, you know, a few years, you start to let him know. And then they don't. What's the bond there when they when they when they're resistant to, to make that adjustment or they decide, oh, you can't be serious. You don't mind. I've been saying this around you forever. Yeah. You're like, well, I really don't like you to say the N-word yeah. around me, man. And then they don't want to. What is the, in your analogy of uh, the bonding that happens in a sexual relationship? What is it that they're they're holding on to? Why is it so hard? You know what I mean? I think for that, something like that. I think that at a certain point, we we can't. I think we'd be fooling ourselves to think that like all of the friendships or bonds or anything like that are these things that are, that are static. Like you. You can have a friend, but you can also get rid of them or, or lose them. And I think that there's yeah. a certain level of yeah. self-awareness and a certain level of ownership yeah. where it's like, OK, if they're not doing this, then it's not their problem anymore. It's your problem. And this is because I come from the camp of extreme ownership. Yeah. It is. I would think that, OK, this is my problem. Mm-hmm. My way to be is just not be their friend anymore. Like, well, I'm yeah. not going to sit there and, and fight for them and, like, tell them to go do something wrong. Okay, then your answer is then you're you're not interested in that. You're not yeah, interested in But what I also, I've, yeah. I've, and I've, I have friends in, the, in that situation where it's like, okay, there is a, if, because for me, music is music. And I'm like, there, the music is out there with, with the inner, with all this other kind of stuff. And. It, obviously everyone's buying it. You can download it. You can grab it for, for wherever. So clearly some people think it's not that bad and they know that every single race is going to be buying the music or downloading the music or something. So, so it's like, okay, so you should be able to get it, but not sing it. I just say, you can sing it. You can say whatever you want, but if someone wants to fuck you up about it, I do not have your back. That's yeah. just all it is. Yeah. That's and it's just, a, it's enough. a simple principle. Like if you say in the wrong group, have you ever had one friend that's trying, uh, trying, like I got a, an associate right now that he tries too hard, but I know for a fact that he's genuine. Like, uh, like he's a sensitive, good mm-hmm. dude, but he, he just tried that route of, Oh man, I grew up around a lot of black people. Yeah. And so, yeah. And then, and it's not even that it's check this out. This is how wild it gets. I can't really show him that side of my culture because he couldn't stand it. And one way, mm. and, one, and what I'm describing now is joning yeah. or playing the dozens. Oh, That's dozens, right. yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know how to let him know that really you're not that funny to me, you know, and you're kind of corny. Yeah. Because if I start joning, he's going to get offensive yeah. and it ain't going to be appropriate for yeah. him. But he thinks he's, he thinks he's building uh, affinity and rapport with me. And my name, we bond over nerdy 
geeky stuff. He's in the shit I'm into, video yeah. games, keyboards, stuff like that. It ain't even that, but I don't know how to tell him, hey, man, you don't have to do that. You, you don't have, and it's my fault, probably, yeah. allowing him to establish that. I would think that it's your fault. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely my fault because I experienced it, but it's also my responsibility to your, to your, yes. mo- to your more accurate point. Yeah. Of, of yeah. That's I, what it is. I, I, I just, it's still awkward as heck though, because I, I wish I could tell them, Hey man, like you don't have to act that way. You don't yeah. have to try to sound mm-hmm. black to be cool with me, yeah. man. And, and if you line me up with, uh, 20 black, people amongst them i'm kind of on the fringe so you know i'm not a good example for you to try to yeah but at the same time i'm flacking in the ace of spades so much so that it's beyond what you can casually appreciate yeah yeah because you got you think you know me till you get to my house mm-hmm. and see my bookshelf then you're like oh crap yeah. i don't even know if i want to be around him yep. you know what i mean then then you just you just learn another dimension that you really don't know so really yeah. you don't have the the capacity to explore the depths of my personality and a lot of people don't yeah. in the work environment yeah. so like i wish you know and it's not a thing that's upsetting or whatever but i just it's awkward and i wish i could do something about that but i get myself in that situation more than i realize and i always wonder if it's because i'm desperate for opportunity or something like that you don't want to i think that for what i do with it and i can't remember where i learned this from is that i try to give at least 51 percent to every friendship or relationship or anything like that that i'm in and i say that because that one percent is that little is that moment where i said where i explain my boundaries and where i say the things i do or don't like and if if I've achieved that one percent, in my opinion, that person's never going to disappoint me. But if I if I stay fifty and I don't give them that one, then they're they're inevitably going to find a way to piss me off, and they're going to cross a boundary that I should have set mm. at some point. And so that is that's kind of the way that I try to handle my stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the there's there's gonna and I'm not gonna one hundred percent be perfect at that at that part. Now I will also say. That I have friendships where I give way more than 51%. And the more that I give in the 51%, because I have, I tend to have a bit of a dominant personality, mm-hmm. the less they, they do more. If you, I don't want to use like following, it, it becomes more and more surface level. They just, it's almost like people somewhat seem kind of scared, if that makes any sense. Scared. Because I've set such clear and defined boundaries of what I do and don't like it's like people are almost forced they feel like they have to be perfect sometimes if, if that makes any sense I think it's, I know it's what like you a mean. weird type of pressure I don't I know on. yeah I don't know how you're describing it but I've seen it a million times yeah um, I've seen Leo's do it all the time real yeah. god damn it I've seen Leo's do it all the time sorry uh, I've seen Leo's do it all the time I know exactly what you're what you're talking about and I just always chalk it up to this them they're, they're spoiled and they gotta have their way oh my fucking that, that's god all, that's all I you know, I, I've I've Did you read that in the way. newspaper, Mark. Um, Was that no. in the Sunday paper? <laughs> no, sir. That would be a horoscope, and I'm talking about the actual real science of the zodiac. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, so let's talk more about race cards. So one of the things that I was also saying before we started recording was that I wonder if you know they they think that the race card is something that can only be played by 
by black people or just people of color. Um, I think that I wonder if the race card is something that is played by unknowingly played by white people just all the time. And you would call that just privilege and just are being able to take certain types of chances. And when I look at when I look at the different videos on YouTube and I see like a white person arguing with a cop, like it's that is the craziest like that the amount of balls that it takes like hey I, i've never had a reason i've never had yeah. a desire to argue with a cop since since the news started showing them killing black people and shit like that i've been like well that's something i'm never gonna do i may like give a tiny tiny be like are you sure about that because i've done that before but um yeah the, i got the, my first speeding ticket the other day did you yeah first speeding ticket in my life did you fight it no 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 it was great <laughs> it was great yeah. I was blasting over the hill and they put a speed trap on a downhill slope. Oh, that's a super that's dick part, move. You're part of two blind dipping hills, yeah. leaving, my, leaving my subdivision. And it was brilliant. You can't do 35 without your foot on the brake, like yeah. rolling down the hill yeah, sure. in an SUV, you're doing yeah. 40. So I, I thought it was brilliant. I was like, oh man, this is great. Yeah. And, um, you know, I took the ticket or whatever and I was like, this is just wilson county revenue generation and he was completely nice like if it was a city cop i would have been uncomfortable but i'm cool with sheriffs and state troopers and so they're much more well adjusted but whatever it is that city cops go through man they're they're wore out by noon every day and i don't want to you don't want to interact with those individuals sure sure. Uh, that was a bit of a tangent but Playing you, the race you, card, like, but do you think that talking it's crazy to a cop? Yeah, I'm, that's just that's yeah. a that's a rare. Example, no, I follow now. Like, get, do you think that it's something that it's like, oh, I'm white, I can I can handle this? And Dave Chappelle made a funny uh, thing in one of his standups. He was just like, all right, he said uh, when he was talking about his friend Chip, and you know, he said Chip yeah. looks over and says, Dave. I'm going to race the cop, you know, or I think that's what he said. Yeah, he like, and he yeah. raced him and he's like, I got it, Dave. I'm white. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, goes, yeah. and it's like, holy it's shit. Great. That's like, I love it. That's like no, a real, but a real I, the thing. real thing behind that though, is what state of psychology that are, are they in that they don't feel worried at all. And is the state of mind that African-American people are in day to day, black guys like you and me, is it, on the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. To me, that's the interesting thing to ask, you know, cause, um, yeah. Cause I don't, I don't think they ever expect us to carry on in any other way. That's when it gets. Yeah. Interesting. That's interesting. I don't, I don't ever find a, a person that says, why did you take that from the cop? Hmm. Well, the, our yeah. behavior, our behavior, they expect us to be a capitulant. Wow. And subservient to, authority so what's going on there yeah you know i mean they're never like you know what mark you should have fought that yeah mark. yeah you have, oh, yeah. When, I, when that cop when that cop beat me up really bad when i was 16 um that time at the uh parker bennett center over in the projects uh the lawyer up in orangeboro said yeah you guys should have got together and just beat the crap out of that cop so because like really? that's that's how much that's how far out of order he was and how far from being able to do anything about it you are unless you got a ton of money you know what i mean it's like yeah. you can't you can't sue a cop it's an, almost impossible but he was like your friends like he told they said if that ever happens again don't you and your friends you guys you defend yourself yeah because like all you know all civilians thrown out the window when a yeah. cop flips out for anyone who doesn't know the backstory i got i had one of those classic 
stories that would be all over the news today, but I smarted off to a cop and he beat me up really bad in front of like a hundred kids. He literally flipped out. He like, yeah. he lost his cool. Cause I don't think he would have done that in front of that crowd, but yeah. it was in front of the, the youth center and the youth center was closing for the day. So all these kids, about a hundred so kids are out on the street and the sidewalk in front of the center waiting for the rides to pick them up mm-hmm. or being ushered down the street. If you're a walker, you know, you got to walk home. It's the middle of the summer, you know, mm-hmm. after sack lunches and all that stuff. So, um, he was, um, I was playing with a young man who I was, uh, whose sister I was trying to date and she was babysitting him and she went to play with her girlfriends. I was like, Oh, I'll keep an eye on the little brother in the summertime. If you're, if you're like a latchkey kid and you want to get out and play, that's sometimes how you pull it off. You like have your friend come home and do the babysitting where you can literally go out and play. And, um, you know, it's a high level of responsibility because the parents were to come home, you know, anyway, so she would come over and visit her grandmother lived in the projects near me, but she had to keep her little brother with her everywhere. I would take her little brother, Cameron, about 10 years old, and we would go hang out and it would let her be free to run around with her girlfriend to the summer. So I had Cameron with me and I couldn't be separated from him. We were playing freeze tag out in front of the Parker Bennett place. And anyway, cop says something to me like, Hey, it takes a big man to hit a little boy, but I was tagging him like run freeze tag. It was freeze tag. And I was like, so frustrated at him looking at it that way, you know, like, what are you talking about, dude? We're, you, you're so uptight and ready to, mm-hmm. you know, pull your holster for some reason that you're trying to pick an argument on me. And so I said, it takes a big man to mind his own fucking business. <laughs> and everyone started laughing. And yeah. that's when he, he started getting in. And we went back and forth and argued and I was being smart. And I thought it was over. I turned away yeah. talking to my friends. And before I could turn around anyway, he maced me and body slammed me and beat me up real bad in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. Threw me in a cop car. Anyway, after all that stuff was over with, when we were going through all the court case stuff and um the lawyer said that to me he was like uh man don't if that ever was to happen again you got all your buddies there you know you guys should just beat the crap out of that cop it's like it would you'd be it'd be the same difference that's how much of a and to that point sorry i took everyone on a tangent but to that point when we speak about uh maybe white people playing the race card and that the form of card playing being them exercising privilege i'm not sure they all they're they're aware that they they're have They're not it. aware. And that's what's not curious. Aware. I don't think they that's know. They just, I'm not even angry they, about it. I'm just yeah, curious yeah, exactly. about it. I they just, just don't know. have the fear we have. Exactly. So I'm interested in asking that. And But on top of that, not only do they not have that apprehension and fear of authority and fear for their life that we have, because, hey, I'm not saying they should have it. I think everyone no. should walk through the yeah. like You should feel like that about cops. You mm-hmm. should feel like, hey, you're here to protect me, not to hassle yeah, no, me. Yeah. I wish everyone could feel that confident about their cops. And then we could, I don't know, maybe pay them better and everything mm-hmm. like that. But they also, to the point I said earlier they never ever ex- they do have an expectation of how I should behave in regards to police officers I yeah. get it all the time anytime I'm talking about anything um, I was talking to a friend at work mm-hmm. about that gentleman I think he was wearing a, I don't know why a green shirt comes to mind but there's a video of him being shot in the back by yeah. that cop he runs he breaks free and runs away from the cop and the cop mm-hmm. shoots him dead Yeah, it's like in Carolina somewhere I'm only laughing because when I say he breaks free I remember doing that so much yeah. when you're kids you're quicker and more agile yeah. and you turn around you put your hands behind your hat back and there's a split moment yeah. where they they walk around you because yeah. you never ever turn yourself you 
you face them and put your hands behind your back. And as they walk around you, they're just awkward. You're gone. We've been playing basketball and freeze tag all our lives. I'm gone. See you, you sucker. You have to tell me to turn around and walk. If you don't do that, I'm out of that. It was funny. This guy kind of breaks free from cop. And we all laughed because we remember doing that. You know what I mean? But what my friend had to say at work was, uh, was, but yeah, but why did he do that? But he should just do. It's funny. It was all in the perspective of, expecting that man a black man Mm -hmm. to be completely capitulant to an out of line officer you got a gun you got mace you got a nice stick you got a car you got a walkie talkie and you can't handle one half drunk homeless mental guy and you gotta shoot him in your back you have to shoot him in the back maybe maybe you shouldn't be a cop yeah I'd be embarrassed if someone some kids cut out took out running and got away from me I'd just let him go yeah you know what I mean? They what what could they be doing? Mm-hmm. So why did why did they have that perspective? I don't know. You know, and every time I've ever had this conversation with a friend of mine, it's always been that that perspective and expectation of African American people is subservient. Yeah. It, it ain't you are a citizen and you have this list of rights. Hey, what did he do mm-hmm. wrong to you? That ain't right. Yeah. Remember Cat Williams talking about getting white friends? No. Cat, Cat Williams said you should get you some white friends because they're so much better. When they're your friend, they're so much better than black friends. <laughs> Explain. He said, he said you, could, you could call them. You could call them in the middle of the night and say, hey, I'm locked up. And they'll be there. They'll be there Bail defending money, yeah. you. What did he do? Go have your job. Yeah, and all that <laughs> stuff. Like, I've known him for two weeks. He wouldn't do that. Murder. That's that's what Cat Williams said. But he oh, said, you call yeah. your black friends and they'll interrogate you worse than the police. Yeah. Where were you at? What was you doing? Why did you call me? <laughs> and, and it's funny. That's true. What I'm saying is when white people see you as equal to them, you see a different side of them. You do. You know, you see they can they can be that way. But the default perspective is that that you are doing something wrong. Even my yeah. friends in Warcraft that I played uh, raided with to one and two in the morning. They're in Redmond out there, so they're like British Columbia yeah. time zone almost. And so it was late for me, not so much for them. And I'd, I'd be talking to them, and it was funny. They're corny Canadian dudes. They're not like Americans, yeah. but their jokes toward me, what they could think of was always do, do me stealing something or stealing yep. a TV. Or, yep. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. That's what you like. And that's that same awkward situation that I'm describing that I have with uh, my good friend at work. It's like, I don't know how to tell them you actually got it wrong. Mm. It's not even that you got it wrong. It's you're kind of it's kind of corny. You're yeah. not even like if we're gonna Jones, let's Jones. You yeah. can get on me. You can talk you're about good, me. Yeah, everything. But you gotta on the table. you gotta be relevant. But you're yeah. like you're like stealing. So you really do think that that's what pe- black people do? They just steal. And yeah, they that's what they think. You know, because that would be their the thing they had to say about me. So yeah, when it comes to playing the the the, the race card, um. I think that if they're playing it at all, they sometimes what that what they're I don't want to say privileged, but what they benefit from is a a perspective that's never required them to be that that aware of their environment. Yeah, and never requ- you said something really cogent the other day at the at the church where we were at when you described how that lawyer having yeah. accomplished everything he has and the kid in prison walk the same exact thin line. They yeah. both are one in one both of those away. environment, one mistake away from being treated 
what the real common denominator is being treated uh, in a way that reflects the real common denominator of their regard in the society. Yeah. And you know, know I mean, that makes me think of also, and I've said it before in a, in our episode of, uh, we had an episode a long time ago, boys will be boys. And, uh, it was around a lot of the me too movement and stuff like that. And when that was going on, I was, I was saying in that episode that when you couple that with race, like, People ask why I keep my office door wide open and I talk extra loud yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, I'm not doing that so I can, I, well, I'm doing that so I can be heard, but so everyone can hear that I'm not saying some dumb shit to you. Yeah, that's right. Like that's it's messed up. Yeah. That's where, that's where we are. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the, do people, you ever stop so that you're not in the corridor alone with someone? Yeah. I do. Yeah. I speed up and jog yeah. past people or I stop mm-hmm. or I go somewhere and dive into a yeah. break room to let her get further down the hall. Yeah. I won't even be in the hallway alone. And, and people will come into my office and talk about talk about anything. For real. Anything. But I respond loud like, yeah. just be, be yourself. You know, you got it. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm Mr. That because yeah. the moment they, they hear me saying some Mm-hmm. whatever type of shit or something like that. That's a yeah. problem. And it's, yeah. and I'm not even saying that in this, in the sense that I'm even saying anything bad. It's right. just that shit just gets taken out of context. Sure does. And you have no, it's a downhill slippery slope. You can't, it will be over with before you yes. can even get to speak on your own behalf. You'll be out in the, have you ever been me too? No. You ever had a me too moment? Mm-mm. Anything like it? Not that I knock on wood. Not that I know. Not that I know of. I don't know anything. Like I, I, I like to think that I keep it all pretty clean or something like that, if you yeah. will. But I, I haven't had any. Not. But you know, I'm sure Kavanaugh didn't think about that either until he ran for yeah. Supreme Court. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and the thing about and that, that is not to discredit that lady at all. No, not at all. Every, every, the thing about that, all of it's true. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know what to think of it. No, you don't want a person representing our higher court who has that past. Yes, she's completely right. And yes, that was very common teenage boy behavior. Yeah. Like, I don't know how. Don't you know? I Now I would be more honest about it. I wouldn't say I boycotted prom. I didn't think I could. I didn't think I could enjoy it. But I used to. I never went to prom. Really? Yeah, I thought it was stupid. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because every time after prom, and this is not my full reason, it's just the one I latched onto because it was easier than the real one, yeah. which is more nuanced and more to do with my feelings about money and stuff like that. Yeah. And thinking I, you know, couldn't pull it together or something like that. But after prom, somebody always got raped. Yeah. Every week, it would just be stories yeah. of what that were. Well, they were all that Kavanaugh situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he'd come through. Sometimes you could see, uh, to use your terminology, I really like the mental calculus in the young yeah. ladies thinking about, hmm, what am I going to call? I could see that. Yeah. It would be the every time mm-hmm. after prom, it, you sit next to one of your friends or something. They're just telling that, you know, how prom went. I was like, it doesn't sound fun at all. It sounds stupid. I didn't like wearing the suit and going to the yeah. dance and. Doing taking the pictures and everyone ends up at a bonfire somewhere, something like that, or they're drinking and yeah, I thought it was stupid. Yeah, but uh, that Kavanaugh thing is was very common. Yeah, it is. My childhood growing up, like every every big event that happened, and I don't know, 
man. I'm dead serious. That that stuff. Sometimes that 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 the the perpetrator of that and the victim, if you will, end up married, (sighs) and they they're they're together again. So I'm just. I've seen that shit before too. I'm not saying that end up being a bad marriage. I'm just saying a lot of it. I don't know. We need to understand that if you want to nip that in the bud, Mm -hmm. man, you gotta you gotta go. Sometimes I think they're just digging. Yeah, I think you got. Yes, I, you know I think I mean? that sometimes that that kind of stuff does happen. We we'd be foolish to to think that it didn't happen, but mm-hmm. to there was. Um, I don't want to sit there and bring up a bunch of different stories of people pulling the race car, but I do think that one spot where this is kind of changing is the whole. I I want to say it started maybe twenty sixteen, where it was like where you can see that a lot of young society was moving very, very well. It's always been pretty left and liberal, but like there's this Mm -hmm. movement to just throw everyone into the trash, telling people when they're being sexist, telling people when they're being classist, when they're doing all this kind of stuff. Like, I think that there's people have a fresh deck of class cards. People have a fresh deck of, I don't want want to call it like feminism cards or whatever. Yeah, that's right. There's, there's so much of that going on. And then I think that stuff like that led to things like the, the, the pushing for the fairness ordinance. And I know what you and I've yeah, certainly yeah. talked about that, but yeah. it's hard for me to not attach the same thing to there, mm-hmm. but you did explain it very well that when you mm-hmm. hit a certain level of opulence, when you have, when mm-hmm. you start to own property or start to own a business, you mm-hmm. have to operate on a different level there. But I think that with the, the thing with the different cards that get played, it does put a lot of people in very difficult positions when there's a lot of people that are exploiting it. And when, when enough of that exploitation happens, you put a lot of people in a position where they just, they stop believing or they stop caring or that oh, yeah. racism loses its teeth. If yeah. You will. It's because Jonathan Hyde, you got to listen to Jonathan Hyde, just the clip of him on Joe Rogan. He explained that so well because he has that whatever professional anthropological, sociological background where they know how to break down um, human activities into what they are at the uh, sort of psychological level. Mm-hmm. And one thing he says is humans play games. That's what we do. Everything yeah. everything can be broke down. And guess what? I guess that's why that's game theory. Game, yeah, gamification but, theory. But, but yeah, but like he's saying, the game that young people are playing is broken because it's a game whose consequences are not on the young generation putting it forward. It's on everyone else. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're at work, you're playing this game and it's an abstracted. This is just me trying to do my best to explain it. It's an abstracted, abstracted form, abstracted form of resource competition. Mm-hmm. We decided that we're not going to punch each other and hit each other in the head with clubs for resources. Now we're going to compete in business mm-hmm. to perform and earn them all and move up that social hierarchy. So there's a game being played. But these young people now with the cancer culture and all the, the decks of cards of of social justice, they are playing a game that doesn't belong in that arena. And mm. the consequences of the game affect everyone except for them. So what happens is you play this game where if you don't agree with my sensibilities or call me by the pronouns, mm-hmm. I can get you fired. Yeah. The, it, they it, want such an extreme. Yeah, exactly. Like, you so, need to be yeah. fired, not taught. Yeah, I'm explaining it poorly, but Jonathan Hay explains it really well. He's, you know, the name of the game is to score points by identifying the 
absolute evil other it's not just the person at work it's by killing the evil that's why like it's it's not gonna last it will self-correct but once you have it here to explain it makes so much sense you know what i mean how do you how do you see the the issue of the race card the issue of the gender card how do you see that self-correcting well um it'll self-correct just like you described people will opt out of the game Hmm. Why? Why? All, what would be the reason for opting out? Um, because it's an unwinnable. It's an un, it's an unfair game. Uh, like the reason reason you'd opt out of any any other game where someone started off with more cards in their deck mm-hmm. than you. So what happens is, um, to to earlier points I've made on the podcast that a high level of civilization we're maintaining is due through sophisticated and subtle cooperation. Yeah. So what happens is you're renting to me. And now you're playing a different game than me. Mm. It's unfair because you are, you, you are, I don't want to rent to you because you're, you know, I don't queer or something LGBT. And that's, that's not right because the privilege to be a landlord is, is a tier of commercial participation that is, has to be agreed upon and cooperated with everyone Mm -hmm. because there was a time when, the best way to state claim to land was through aggression. Yep. Right. Kill so, people. Yeah. So like, we don't want to roll back to that. So what are you doing? What do you mean? Yeah. I'm playing fair. I got the money. I got the check every month. Mm-hmm. Now you've moved into another dimension and you're saying, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you've made it violent. So people will opt out of that game. Mm-hmm. And that's why the opportunities to respond in such an extreme way and cancel people yeah. are, are how people respond because they, they perceive their um, disadvantage in the game or their lack of, of succeeding in the game to be that ultimate transgression. And sometimes it's not. Yeah. And what I, what I get scared of is like the act of opting out of the game. Yeah. I think that if it's, if it's not done, if it's done improperly, yeah. what you can get is a, a massive rise in apathy. And I would rather people, yeah leave the game because they're like this is ridiculous i'd rather learn or i'd I'd rather teach someone how to be better or be taught to be better i'd rather them quit the game because of that than just say oh yeah okay sure i'm being racist and they just don't fucking care yeah because when that happens nothing gets solved no one wins and we continue a problem that's been going on and i think that that is what is happening right now Mm -hmm. is that there's way more apathy there's less people that are out there that are teaching less people listening to the salumas podcast (laughs) and i think getting themselves to a point where you could under where you can say hey Every moment that happens, if even especially if you were being racist or, or you yeah. didn't know it, yeah. it's a teachable moment. Yeah, but there definitely. aren't enough people that are out there willing to be able to go out and teach you. And I said this on Thursday that the highest highs as a, as a society will never carry as much impact as our lowest lows. And it's because we have these cell phones with us and it's much more entertaining to see someone being racist and to catch that and to put it on the yep. internet and to blast them, it takes way too much brain power yeah. to go and watch someone doing something that they should be like, yeah. you know, like taking care of another person. It takes too much, you know, doesn't get as many likes. So let's let's take it down to the very basic level and say humans are a lot more if you want to call it reptilian than you think we like yeah, chaos, we man we just like chaos we're more of that than anything yeah. we're more we're more primate 
than we are repti- reptilian. We're more reptilian than we are human. Yeah. Like in my in my little imaginary model that I never do illustrate, so no, maybe no one knows what I'm talking about. But in that ten tier, maybe it's seven tiers, whatever. In that tiered model of what makes us fully human, the human part's the thinnest layer. Yeah, it's just like when they show that calendar of of, of biology biological life on Earth, mm-hmm. and then the human lifetime has not even been a fraction of yeah. one second. Well, that the capacity, the faculties we have, mental, emotional, physiological, that allows us to carry on in civilization like we do today those are the thinnest part mm. of our biological makeup and we can lose it really quick that's yeah. why if all the lights went out we'd be we'd be mad max right yep. away yep and that's it's, just the lights barely, go out yeah and three this i think tyler said in an episode we have about five to seven days of the groceries have about five to seven days of yeah then food in there after no food, that yeah Five to seven days. Damn, I would think we could go a few months. No. Yeah, that's a conversation we've had forever um, amongst all my friends. I post that everywhere. And uh, when I worked where you work at, we used to have fun with that. How long would it take us to get back on a feature if we could at all? And um, now I'm so jaded. I don't think we could. But um, another part of that conversation was how quickly does everything collapse? Mm -hmm. And it's a it's a staggeringly short amount of time. You know, it's like a couple of weeks and we're already acting like whatever feudalism, whatever you call it, which, whichever age it it's was. It's like Game of you, Thrones out here. Well, well, they do it on the, well, Walking Dead's a good example. Yeah, that is. It Walking only takes Dead. a little while and we're already building big walls around a community old school style because that's like the best way to keep another group of humans, not zombies, just yeah. another group of another humans. Another group of humans. Like from, from getting you. So yeah, um, I forgot why we, why, why we were saying that. Oh yeah, about um, opting out of the game. Yeah, because w- people will stop participating and they'll start to reorganize mm. in order to achieve the, uh, to re to re ascend to that special level of cooperation. Gotcha. They'll reorganize. They'll quit. They'll quit the one they work and they'll reorganize and make a new one. Makes sense. Okay. So let's, let's leave our listeners with some kind of a message regarding race cards, gender cards, whatever, just that card. Obviously we're going to keep it to race since that we're talking, yeah. that's what we're talking about, but what's something that you could leave someone with? Yeah. When, when people play the race cards, um, it's especially from African-American people, the question to ask to, we want, we want to not play the race card. You want to not be held hostage by, uh, being accused of being a racist because it's impossible for you to win that when you're, when you're a white person. And when when someone is uh, feels that they have to do that, it's because there is a tremendous amount of anxiety, pressure, and insecurity that that person is feeling. And if you're at all interested, I'm not saying you have to be, but if you're at all interested in why um, a person would do that, then that's what you want to ask. That's what you want to ask. Investigate what what how is a person feeling that feels like they have to hold chivalry and racial regard over your head to get a special seat on a plane. Hmm. How, how long has that person gone through their life feeling unwelcome yeah. or feeling like they're, they're, they're out of place to carry on in such a gross way. Mm-hmm. Um, um, try to investigate that. And um, there might be something interesting there. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> That's that's actually really good. I don't even know if there's anything that I can say about that outside of outside of this. Um, we are a we are a society that has to come to grips with the fact that we love chaos. 
We mm-hmm. love seeing people get thrown into the trash. Mm-hmm. We love seeing people burn. And I don't know what mm-hmm. the solution is for that, but we have to get ourselves out of it because when you begin to exploit something like the race card because racism is real because people do a lot of fucked up things and put people in a, in a position where they have to ask you is it because i'm black it's it's hard enough you a lot of people don't realize what it takes to get to that point to where you ask them is it because i'm black but there are people out there that that do not put in the work to try and figure out is there something else going on besides just race And I think that as black people, we need to check our friends who are doing that shit and doing the exploitations. As a woman, you've got to check other women who are using that and knowingly are exploiting it. If if it's gender, if it's sexuality, if if it's any of that stuff, we all have to be better about holding each other accountable because when the real racism starts to happen, when when it's a real good point too. Yeah, when that shit starts to happen, it becomes a story of like crying wolf. Where no one believes you when you do it enough times, it and then what happens? Yeah, you know, you get put in a position where you, no one, not only yeah. do they not care about your feelings anymore, but they just don't like you as a person. Yeah, that's where you don't want to be. Man, and that's wh- that's real. That's real good. That's wow. That's two sides of the same situation, mm-hmm. and um, that's equally as cogent. I think is is what I said too, man. Um, can I try to summarize yeah, that real absolutely. quick? Cause, absolutely. Because um, you just made it even more powerful. In a situation where the two young black ladies were were eyeballing the seats that they wanted and they sort of sort of Cold War uh, stared the white guy out of his uh, seat. As and, an arms and, race. And, yeah, arms. And, and, and what they were doing there was behaving in a way based possibly off of always not having feeling welcome somewhere. But what Kalu's getting at is that if you carry on that way without proper investigation and consideration, you'll begin to become comfortable with the lower tier primal satisfaction of weaponizing exactly the advantage you have. So now you're playing the race card because you can. And it's also to lose point satisfying to do so. Yeah. It feels like really it, good. Yeah. Just like it is to like flame people on the internet and stuff. And that's a good point. We want, we don't want to active. We want to not activate, both of those impulses. We don't want to leave people who are marginalized in the dark alone without acknowledging, oh man, we got people we're pushing to the side. Mm-hmm. And we don't want those people to start to weaponize yes. that. There are people out there that legit need to play that card. Yeah. That legit need to use it because yeah. it's not a race card to them. It's like a rescue thing. Like it's like right. something's got to get me out of this. There you Bad go. position. Yeah. Like it's a lifeline for some people. Yeah. And when you when you strip it of its power, you're hurting those people. Yeah. Man, it's a good point. So I hope you guys found value in this episode. Uh obviously Chris was not here. He's he's under the weather, so we wish him the best of luck getting better. Um sounds like he's got a little bit of the bubble guts. So uh <laughs> I hope you get to feeling better, my dude. Drink lots of fluids. Um as always, if you guys have any sort of feedback or anything that you want to collaborate with us on uh, please hit us up on instagram that's at the salimus podcast you can jump on facebook and just type up the salimus podcast on there go to our website www.thesalimus.com check out all our stuff on there um yeah shout out to do we have any shameless shout outs mark do you have any uh let me think shameless, yes um shameless shout out to the vanguard art show yeah another good art show just just that's uh, where you were last right night. yeah yeah 
Which last night I'm looking so forward to uh, the one in February. Good. Oh well, February like this. It's every other month. Oh, so the one in April. I April. Mean. Okay. Yeah, I'm in April. Sweet, sweet. That sounds cool. Um, I do also uh, want to give a shout to Tyler Young. He's going to be going to Ukraine to compete in another World Strongman competition. So we're going to be supporting him however we can. Uh, shout out to Hefty Lefty Clubworks, my boy JP. Uh, if you need some custom work done to your golf clubs, you want to improve your game, JP's got you. Uh, I want to give a shout to BT Lee's The Sauce Boss. Um, get some good rubs. He's always coming through. Um, he just got into a, he got like a nice stand in a, in a grocery store. So I thought that was really cool. I'm super proud of him. Um, do I have anyone else? I, you know, I'll give a shout out to uh, the, the folks that once again at Broadway United Methodist Church for allowing us to uh, come in there and, and speak and uh, everyone be, you know, freely talk their mind and, and all that kind of stuff. Shout out to Adam Schertz. He's an awesome, awesome person. I hope to have him on for another episode. That might be the only church shout out that ever happens on this podcast. But many more to come. Okay, but shout out, yeah, shout out to you guys for being very welcoming and and being open and allowing for good conversation. I believe that if society is going to improve, we have to be okay with having talks like this. Um, And I hope that this discussion today fell in line with our overarching theme of truth and reconciliation, because I do think that we we recognized ourselves as both victims and perpetrators of, of a major issue here. And so if you guys have any questions about the race card or any stories that you'd like to tell, don't hesitate to reach out. So on that, we are out. Goodbye.